Hey, and welcome back to Real Estate Accelerate's podcast series, What Every New Agent Asks, Should Ask, and Should Do to Start a Successful Real Estate Career. This is Chuck Dinsmore, and I'll be walking you through this incredible Q&A session today. Just a little bit about my background. I grew up in this business, but I've been licensed since 2000, and I've seen good markets and bad markets as I watched everyone around me struggle with the ups and downs of this crazy profession. Because of these systems and techniques that I'm going to teach you today, I get to have the time to do what I really love, and that is share my knowledge and experience with you. So relax, listen, and enjoy today's core topic on accelerating your business. Now let's get started. Hey, and welcome back. Now that you've learned about your sphere of influence and set up your first contact list or database, let's tackle the next step. That is expanding your market. So far, your market consists of people that you know and their friends, or people that have a relationship with you, like you, and trust you. Remember that your list is alive. You're always adding names, always growing it. You plan to work hard at growing your business, but now we're going to teach you how to work smart. In this session, you will learn exactly who is in your market. You'll be able to identify your perfect customer and learn how to market directly to them so that they always think of you. When you complete this section, you'll be able to maximize your market efficiency, which will allow you to make the same amount of income or more in less time. Wouldn't it be great to know that you can make or beat your target income goal this year and still have weekends off? Where exactly is your market? Houses are everywhere, aren't they? It seems there's an unlimited supply of properties to buy and sell. You just have to get the buyers to buy and the owners convinced to sell, right? At this point, you will probably haven't decided whether you like to work with buyers more or with sellers more. Both are great to work with. First, let's look at some of the basic characteristics of working with each. Then we'll look closer at making sure that you work smart, no matter who you prefer to work with. Why agents like working with sellers and listings. There's a saying in the industry, he who controls the listings controls the market. Let me ask you, who sets the market value of a home? Is it an appraiser, a seller, a buyer, the tax assessor's office, the bank? Maybe you've heard the phrase that a home is worth what a willing buyer is willing to pay and a willing seller is willing to accept, there being no extraneous influences or hardships affecting price and terms. While this is true, the market is influenced more by realtors than anyone else. Who does the research to find out what a home might sell for? Who shares this information with a buyer or seller, often suggesting a range in which the home might sell? You do, the realtor. It's very rare that a seller goes out and bases the value on the tax bill. Aren't tax values usually lower than current market? It's also rare that the seller asks for an appraisal. If they do, an appraisal is only based on historical values. In an up market, what the last three houses sold for may be a lot less than what this house will sell for. You're the expert. You can use the information you have access to in order to extrapolate what a good sell price might be during the next three months. The point is, realtors drive the market. They indirectly set the asking prices and in turn influence the market values. Working with sellers to advise them and to get them the best possible price for their home can be very rewarding. For you multitaskers, listing a home brings together many skills, market analysis, pricing, marketing, customer service, professionalism, negotiation, process management, communication, etc. This is a great opportunity to show what you know and really shine. 
Another aspect of controlling the market and the number one benefit of working with sellers is that you're assured of getting paid. As long as you do the research and price the home correctly, manage your marketing systems, and keep the seller happy, you'll keep the listing until it sells. Buyers, on the other hand, come and go. Many things can go astray for a buyer before they sign those closing papers. But with a listing agreement, the seller has hired you exclusively to represent him or her. And no matter who brings the buyer, you get paid. Why some agents don't like working with sellers. Okay, so we've looked at the bright side of working with sellers, but what are some of the challenges? One was mentioned above, multitasking. It really does take all of those talents to get a listing all the way to closing. Where some agents thrive on challenges, others feel they're weak in many of those areas. Because of this, they would rather not bother. What do you do when the listing has not sold and it's time for a renewal? Do you feel guilt that you've not accomplished the goal? Do you find yourself avoiding the seller's calls? Do you think they'll be upset with you? Although much of this is imagined, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Many agents cannot live up to the stress. Performance anxiety is a very real fear among many agents. The key thing to remember, though, is that with proper training and proper systems in place, you should never have to face this fear. Why agents like working with buyers? Many agents like getting out in the field. Although listing agents travel to their listings, most of their time is spent marketing and looking for more listings. Buyers agents see all of the inventory. Further, they get the pride of helping someone find their dream home. It's an amazing feeling to know that you helped a newly married couple find their perfect first home and to see the joy and excitement on their faces when you hand them the keys. One less apparent reason that agents prefer working with buyers over sellers is what I just covered. Almost all of it is a lack of training and the resulting lack of confidence or performance anxiety. Try not to get caught in this reason. It only takes practice and a little training. Why some agents don't like working with buyers. Buyers are liars. You'll hear that over and over again. Usually as a co-worker storms in because they've just learned their buyer purchased from another agent, probably a relative. Let me tell you, it does not have to be this way. There's a right way and a wrong way to work with buyers. This is a topic for another day, but suffice it to say that it all comes down to transparency, communication, and planning. But there are many more opportunities for the buyer side of the deal to go south. You spend a lot of time showing the buyer over 100 properties, they find the perfect one, you get a contract, and wham, the buyer's spouse changes their mind, or worse, they lose their job. Things happen. You can't be sure of getting paid until the papers are signed, you are closed, and on your way to the bank. Many agents just can't handle the uncertainty. Taking proper actions up front to mitigate potential hazards will save you lots of time and headache. Qualify your buyer before you put them in your car. Ask them if they're working with another agent or have worked with another agent. Make sure you train them to mention your name at any open houses they stumble upon. Your broker may even have a buyer-broker agreement, but use these with caution. So now that you know the basic pros and cons of working with buyers and sellers, to be most successful, you should really be able to work with both. If you prefer one over the other, that's okay, but you're potentially throwing away half of your business. After all, where is the seller going when the house is sold? Probably buying another house. They already know and trust you, so do you really want to let them walk away? If you're still really set on working with one over the other, might I suggest finding another agent to partner with to handle referrals from you? 
at least you get paid something and you can remain in contact with your client through the process. Now let's shift gears and take a look at your perfect customer. You've heard the saying, Jack of all trades, master of none. President John Adams once said, being all things to all people means that you're nothing to no one. Let's conduct an exercise. Take a moment to remember the most pleasant transaction you've ever had. If you're new to this business, draw from your prior experience. Think about that customer. What about them made this transaction easier? What made it flow smoothly? What was that person's personality like? Did they come to you knowing what they wanted? Were they open to your guidance and suggestions? Did they cooperate with the needs of the transaction? Perhaps they had a previous experience buying or selling. Maybe they're highly educated, wealthy, or socially connected. Maybe they're just starting out and wholeheartedly place themselves in your hands. Perhaps it was a special need, such as a short sale or FHA transaction, and they were so grateful to you for guiding them. Attached to this module is a worksheet entitled My Perfect Customer. This exercise will guide you through questions about your best customer and help you identify the traits that made them earn that title. The worksheet goes a couple of steps further and helps you identify your average customer as well as the ones who required a lot more time from you. You'll want to give all three types of these customers names so that you can easily identify the type. Once you do this, you'll be able to know your customers better. Don't you wish you only had to deal with people like your perfect customer? Well, we're going to do our best to make your wish come true. The ultimate purpose for identifying your perfect customer is so you can direct your marketing efforts to fill your funnel with these people rather than wasting time with those who you know will lead to headache and heartache. What marketing tactics appeal to this customer? Maybe they're interested in luxury homes, waterfront, mountains, acreage, investments, fix and flips. There's so many needs out there that each of them is a niche market. Using your perfect customer profile, determine what this customer is looking for and what appeals to them. Direct all your marketing efforts to this type of customer. You'll get additional clients from the fringes that are similar to this customer or perhaps fit your second profile, your average customer. So there should be enough business in this niche alone to keep you busy. Although marketing methods is a separate training, begin thinking now of how and where you would approach this perfect customer. Perhaps it's tailored mailings, postcards, emails, or online ads. Maybe you need to network more. Go where these customers go, such as clubs, professional groups, the chamber, or investment meetings. The point is to get in front of your perfect customer with a marketing message that appeals to them. If you feel you need to expand your realm, then do the same exercise for your average customer profile. The third profile, customers needing more involvement, is mostly there as a tool so that you can recognize this profile in potential customers and make an educated decision if you want to work with them. Farming. The real estate industry definition of your farm is the geographical area or market group that you market to regularly in order to generate business over time. The purpose of a farm is to have an area that you can focus your limited marketing resources and easily manage the results. Farming a whole county, for example, would probably be cost prohibitive unless you specialize in farm land. Do you really want to spread yourself out so far? You may not get any business the first time you advertise or contact your farm, but you continue to focus on it so that you'll be top of mind when the time comes for someone to need your services. Most marketers agree that you will need to touch a farm more than six or eight times or market over six or eight months before you become known as the go-to person in real estate. There are two types of farm, geographic and demographic. Geographic is just as it sounds. You choose a neighborhood, community, or zip code, and you continuously market to that one area. 
You may send out a monthly newsletter or perhaps just sold cards or maybe you advertise in the community paper. Some agents hire students to go door to door and distribute flyers or maybe complimentary flags on national holidays. You get the idea. Mark an area on the map and blanket it with marketing. Your demographic market is a little different. Using national census data, membership lists, or other marketing data, you identify a segment of the population that you wish to approach based on selection criteria other than their physical address. This could include certain professions, income groups, age groups, etc. Government demographic data is very detailed, so you can pretty much filter it for any profile you can think of. Many agents choose their niche market, then figure out a marketing vehicle that everyone in their niche would likely see or subscribe to. If you're choosing luxury homes, for example, you may want to get a membership list from the local country club or search census data for high-income individuals or advertise in the local business journal. Maybe you specialize in waterfront properties so you get a list of registered boat owners or advertise in Yachting Magazine. I think you get the picture. Your farm doesn't have to be a set geographic area. It can be any market that you can define. I'll caution you though, keep the numbers limited within reason. Again, you cannot be all things to all people. If you're mailing, a thousand people will cost you about $600 to $800 per mail out. If you're emailing, you want to be able to manage your list, edit bounces, and personalize the messages wherever possible. More than a couple of hundred gets difficult to manage without help, and you don't want your message to sound canned. So know your comfort level and set your limits. You can always expand when you get bigger and can hire an assistant. Your perfect customer and your farm. At this point, we've covered two important determinations that you must make for efficient marketing. You've identified your perfect customer, that is the type of person you most enjoy working with and hopefully produces the most return. You've also learned about choosing a farm area or marketing area. Now let's put them together. Hopefully, your perfect customer is a member of your farm. If not, go back and review your profiles and what you chose as your niche. Once you've got this determined, it's time to reach out. Again, we'll discuss all of the different types of marketing vehicles in another training, but now you probably have an idea of the basic techniques that you want to try. These may include using email, social media, or traditional mail. Whichever you choose, your message must align with the perfect customer profile. First, make an outline of the points that you want to cover in your message. Are you telling them about your new career, about their local market, about a recent sale or listing? Maybe you're sharing other information not necessarily related to real estate. Second, whatever your content, you'll construct your message as if you are speaking directly to your perfect customer. Two good exercises, get a recorder or use your phone's recording app and record a conversation of you speaking to your perfect customer telling them about your message. Then go back and write out the message and edit it. Or write a personal email to your perfect customer then send it to yourself. Don't actually call or email anyone just yet. This is just to get a base letter or content to start with. I know these exercises sound redundant, but what they do is add the personalization factor to your message. Third, now that you have a rough draft, go back and whittle it down. In this fast-paced world, people don't want to spend the time to read a lengthy letter or announcement. For this very reason, look for points that you're trying to make that can be bulleted so that the reader can scan them more easily. Here are some key considerations on your format. Do not take out the personal, emotional touches, at least not all of them. Your message should flow easily as if you're having a conversation and the emotional parts help keep it personal. But we're not quite done yet. Fourth, clean it up and wrap it. Every good message needs a great opening that will hook the reader to continue and a great closing that will give them a call to action. What is it that you're doing for this person? 
What are you offering them? Is it a market update? Free advice? Whatever it is, spell it out in the opening. Let them know what to expect as they read on. Keep in mind, it needs to be a hook or something that will be of real benefit to them. Keep the perfect customer in mind. The body, including your bullets, if any, goes into further detail of what they're getting and the benefits. For example, we will create a personalized marketing report centering on your home that will not only give you a market value, but also help you understand how your home compares to those around you. The benefit is that you'll have a better idea of the value of your greatest asset and be able to use it to make informed decisions on areas such as taxes, insurance, or whether it's time to move up. Then you need to close out with a call to action. What is it you want them to do? How do they respond in order to take advantage of the offer in your message? Do you want them to call, visit a website, come to a seminar? Be specific on what they need to do and make sure to thank them. Maybe even add a little urgency, such as an added bonus or benefit for responding by a certain deadline or within a certain number of responses. Finally, test. Get a coworker, your broker, or a friend to proof your message. Before telling them your intent, ask them what they interpret from the message. Listen to their suggestions, but weigh them against your goal before making changes. Now press send and get your message out there. Remember to keep track on the results. You always want to know what's working and what's not. You may need to tweak your message in future releases or find the right vehicle to get it out there. Also, don't give up after only one send. It really does take at least three touches to get your message across and most of the time six or seven. If you have the resources, try different vehicles or different messages at the same time to compare what works. This is called split testing and is used to hone it down to a successful system. I hope things are beginning to come together for you on prospecting. You've started out your list or database, reached out to your sphere of influence to announce your profession, and now you're identifying your target market. In this session, you found your perfect customer, your average customer, and your problem customer. Even though I call them the problem customer, that doesn't mean you necessarily want to avoid them. Sometimes they may have a problem that you're able to fix. There's a great satisfaction in knowing that you helped make someone's world better. Other times, a problem customer can be one that's always causing you problems. For these, you definitely have my permission to run away. But now you know your customer. You have a target area to market to, whether geographic or demographic, and you have the basics to get started. Take what you've learned here and work on coming up with a message to your market. Try it out on a friend. Get feedback. Perfect it. Then get out there. I'll talk to you next time. Hey, so that about wraps it up for today's session. As always, you can visit our site at www.hearchuck.com to ask your own questions and to subscribe to our series. It's absolutely free. If you like what you've heard today, please share the link with a friend and invite them to join you. If you really like it, go to the site and leave a rave review. I'm not above bribery, so if you leave a review, then forward a copy to me. I'll send you a free bonus by email. Just go to our site, www.hearchuck.com. Thanks again for listening. Remember to excel in everything you do. Live, love, and laugh fully, and most of all, make the world a better place. This is Chuck Finsmore, and I'll be speaking to you soon.
So here's the required legalese. We are not attorneys. We do not give legal advice. We do not play attorneys on TV, nor do we give accounting advice. For that advice, please seek legal counsel or accounting or other licensed professional within the field that you're looking for. We also do not make recommendations to replace what your broker policy is. So if you have any questions at all, please check with your broker and make sure that you are adhering to their policies first, as well as the state laws in your area. The previous podcast is a production of Seaclear Academy and Chuck Dinsmore, copyright 2013 by Seaclear Academy. Duplication in any form whatsoever is expressly prohibited without written permission and will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. For further information, please visit our website at www.seaclearacademy.com.